0: Fear and mobility. Where do workers stand today on those big concerns? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Workforce Logic recently undertook its first ever survey of workers' sentiment about the economy and, consequently, views on job security. It's called the Employee Fear and Mobility Index, and for good reason. Those are the two elements that are most on workers' minds today whether they'll continue to have a job and how easily they can move to another one. Today I'm speaking with Jim Burke, CEO of Workforce Logic. He'll reveal the results of the index, which could signal problems up the road for the U.S. economy. For example, 57% of workers and 66% of contingent employees have a negative view of the economy and believe it will get worse over the next 12 to 24 months. They worry about wage levels and opportunities for promotion, not to mention the continued existence of their jobs. But 72% said they weren't likely to switch jobs in the next year. So let's put those numbers into context and get a sense of what they really mean in terms of forecasting future economic trends, including the possibility of recession. Here is my conversation with Jim Burke. Jim Burke, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm curious, Jim, first of all, as to how you came to settle on fear and mobility as the benchmarks for this new study from Workforce Logic.
1: We didn't set out to settle on fear and mobility. You know, those were the outcomes of the study. What we wanted to understand is how workers are thinking. And we're in the business of helping large clients plan and manage their workforces. And so getting out in front of changes in the behavior of the different components of the workforce is important to us. And so we set out to understand how workers are thinking and how they are thinking affects their behavior and how we should be advising clients to deal with that.
0: Is this your first employee fear and mobility index or have you been doing this on a regular basis?
1: This is the first one. So we've been doing research on a regular basis, and, and we do research in a variety of ways, You know, traditional data-driven analysis. We work with tens of thousands of workers across 50 countries, and so that produces a lot of data that we can harness for insight. This is the first time we've gone out with a survey intentionally designed to understand how workers are feeling. So separate from what the data would tell us.
0: So summarize for me, if you can, the conclusions of this index. They are not particularly positive. It doesn't doesn't sound too great in terms of what workers are thinking these days. What did they tell you?
1: I don't know that it's positive or negative, it just is. I try to boil things down into big blue arrows or headline-level actionable insights, and there's a a couple that we took away from this survey. The, The first is that a worker is not a worker. The workforce now is composed of different generations of workers who have different experiences, and those experiences are shading their behaviors. And so what we are seeing is you can't just treat a worker as a worker. You need to understand who that worker is and therefore how that worker may be feeling. And then there tends to be concentrations of certain types of workers by that definition in certain skill sets. And so that then would indicate how you need to plan for those skill sets. But takeaway number one is that within certain Categories of workers, as I've defined the categories, there is concern about the near-term economy, and that concern is manifesting itself in a desire for stability. So whereas workers may have enjoyed flexibility of moving from job to job and felt very much in control of their destiny, there's some uncertainty there now. That is causing them to rethink whether a better approach may be to stabilize within one company and ride out the near-term economy. I don't think that's good or bad. It just is. It's almost, candidly, to some degree, it should be expected on an almost intuitive level. It just kind of makes sense. But what we try and do then is advise clients, Okay, if this is the fact, what does that mean? What does it mean in terms of the supply of certain skill sets that may deem themselves to be available? Uh, And then what does that in turn mean for how you should plan to recruit and retain within certain skill
0: sets? I do want to get into the implications and the meaning of the conclusions. But first of all, I just want to still kind of talk a little bit about the generalities. You did, in fact, find that 57 percent of all workers, 66 percent of contingent employees have a negative view of the economy and believe that it will get worse in the next 12 to 24 months. Now, you said that's intuitive, but I wonder from my standpoint whether I might have thought the opposite, given the fact that we are in a very strong economy with very low unemployment. That being the case, why do you think that leads to essentially this negative view?
1: I think that there have been numerous what I'll call macroeconomic analyses that have been made public through the general media, indicating the potential and perhaps even the probability for an economic downturn to begin in 2019 and continue into 2020. So I can tell you just outside of anything related to the survey just from my own personal life. I read the Wall Street Journal every day. I work with a financial advisor. I'm assuming I'm I'm not alone in either one of those behaviors. And there have been numerous, sometimes conflicting, but generally in agreement, numerous indicators, that the economy is slowing. And so then the next question is, and this is where the debate begins, slowing how much? Slowing as in a near-term recession or just slowing? and slowing globally or will there be differences based on different countries or within different industries? And there's somewhat of a debate. And I think that debate is is playing out in, in public forum. And I think workers are being exposed to that and they're drawing conclusions from it. And I think this is where it gets down into being more intuitive, in my opinion, that when in doubt, people tend to behave cautiously. And I think there's a lot of doubt out there right now.
0: Yeah, you actually referred to kind of the seesaw nature of economic predictions. One day it's good, one day it's not. And I guess the default reaction of employees to that would be, well, uh, that uncertainty automatically translates into something negative or something to worry about, right?
1: Yeah, and this is where the different workers may view things slightly differently. So I think the numbers would indicate that on balance, yes, that's what's happening. But then if you dig deeper into those numbers, we see that younger workers, newer entrants to the workforce tend to be more optimistic, tend to be more confident, and that may be either just because that's how they feel or because that is due to a lack of having the experience of working through an economic downturn. Uh, But in either case, as I began our conversation, one of the important takeaways is that a worker is not a worker, that, that people do have different perceptions based on their experiences, And their current positions in life, those perceptions are manifesting themselves in behavioral changes. But the cause of all that, getting back to your most direct question, is there's a lot of news out there. It is somewhat conflicting, but generally pointing towards an expectation of a slowing of the economy.
0: Now, if we try to separate this out in terms of generational differences, I wonder if it is the case. It just seems to be the impression that the younger workers, the millennials and the like, tend to stay in jobs for shorter amounts of time anyway versus their Gen X and boomer elders, I guess if you want to call it that. If that's the case, then I would wonder if job security is even as much of an issue to them. I don't think
1: job security is an issue to them. I think that that pales in relationship to control. The newer entrants to the workforce, the millennial, if you will, tend to place a high degree of importance on the satisfaction derived from work, certainly the income, of course, but control over their own destiny is very, very important. Whereas those who have been in the workforce longer and are more likely to have perhaps obligations to families, and an accumulation of debt, and expectation for what work is like, which is different from what the millennials may have, They will tend to gravitate back to an expectation of stability as being very important. And that will only get more of the case when the economy is slowing or when there's concern that the economy is going to be slowing.
0: Are we talking essentially about hourly employees here or does it also include salaried workers or is there a difference between those two in terms of their sentiment?
1: If the definition of contingent is just anyone that's not full-time. So it could be hourly, it could be freelance, it could be a contractor working under a statement of work. It could be a- any of those or other
0: classifications. But if you're a full-time employee, you could be punching a clock or you could be drawing a yearly salary. And I'm wondering which of those, are you covering both of those in your definition full-time or are you essentially more looking at the hourly worker?
1: No, we're definitely not more looking at the hourly worker, absolutely not. To some degree, we probably would be over-concentrated in in the full-time worker population.
0: The full-time salaried position, as opposed to, again, as opposed to the clock punchers, so to speak. Did you make any effort to break this down by industry, or do you have any sense of whether there are any particular industries where this fear or this apprehension is greater.
1: The ones that are, are already experiencing some of the effects of an economic slowdown you know, certainly are the first to surface fear. And so it's no secret that General Motors and other large manufacturers have trimmed their workforces. Large retailers have come off a sluggish holiday buying season and have also trimmed their workforce. That's to be expected. Millennials and particularly those In high tech jobs, they're the ones that tend to be the most optimistic and therefore the most resistant to changing their behavior, which currently skews more towards an acceptance of a gig work style.
0: Okay, so let's talk about some of the implications for employers as based on this intelligence that comes out in your index. What should employers, what should businesses be doing in reaction to this knowledge?
1: Well, there's a number of things. Communication is always a really good thing. Staying out in front of messaging to their current workforces, both contingent and full-time, letting them know how the business is doing and, and what they should expect. The second is for those businesses that have been relying on easy access to skilled labor in certain categories that's where you need to get further into details to understand if that access will start to diminish if there will be less worker mobility and in your time when you want to ramp up in terms of certain skill sets will they be there as they have been in the recent past and where will they be and how much should you expect to pay for them simply as a supply and demand equation and what we are noting is that demand has not quite subsided but the supply may be to some extent,
0: What kind of steps might employers be taking to change their strategies for recruitment and for training in response to these findings?
1: One of the the things that we are advising all clients to do now is building a proprietary network of talent, nurturing a community, if you will, of talent that you can keep close to your organization, you can communicate with on an ongoing basis, and and you can tap into. The benefit of, of doing that is that you nurture a relationship over time as opposed to beginning anew when you need somebody and the benefit to the worker is a greater sense of assurance and connection to the company over time as well so the notion of a talent community i think is becoming increasingly important as a component of an overall sourcing strategy for both full-time and contingent workers. And it can also be used to allow workers to move inside a company. So a great way to satisfy two demands, demands—you know, the the demand of some workers or the desire of some workers for stability, as well as the desire of a company for workers to be moving around is to facilitate internal mobility, which can also be achieved through a talent community that extends itself to an external population of workers as well as an internal population of workers.
0: When there is less mobility in the workforce, what impact does that have on wages? I would have thought it would have a downward pressure on them because there's less people out there competing for jobs. Is that true or not?
1: Well, it depends on the demand. It is always a reflection of not just the supply, but also the demand. So if workers are less willing to take on the risk, if you will, of a new job, but there still actually is low unemployment and a high demand, then you're going to have to pay them more to get them to take on the risk to move. It is not just a measure of the supply. It is a measure of the supply and the demand.
0: Now, this is essentially a snapshot of how workers are feeling right now, but I'm wondering if some of the conclusions of the index indicate to you that this might suggest or signal some long-range, if not permanent, changing trends in employment. Do you think that might be the case?
1: No, I don't. And I say that confidently. You can envision this almost as a stock chart, if you will, that is moving up and to the right, but not, of course, in a straight line, some upward endowment movements, but overall up and to the right. I think that we are seeing a trend towards contingent labor being a higher percentage of the total labor force. I don't see that changing. And the reason is because we have a generation of workers who is far more comfortable with that than previous generations. And as the workforce continues to age, the younger generations will become a greater and greater percentage of the workforce as well. And so there's going to be continuing an expectation of workers for mobility and control that prior generations haven't had. And then on the behalf of businesses, of course, there's, there's great operating efficiencies in terms of just-in-time talent, if you will, but you're know, not being over-understaffed. or understaffed. So I think the movement towards mobility and the movement towards contingent is going to stay. But, again, the supply and demand may be in or out of balance at any given time based on the economy or other factors.
0: How do you factor in the impact of automation? I would imagine that's one trend that could be signaling some permanent changes in the workforce. Does that affect worker sentiment? Does that affect how employers should be reacting to worker sentiment?
1: That's a great question. I don't know that it affects worker sentiment broadly, but it certainly does within certain industries. I remind people all the time, there used to be an occupation called elevator operator. Obviously that doesn't exist anymore, but it it didn't permanently displace all the people that had been operating in elevators. It didn't create a permanent surge in unemployment or displacement. What it requires, however, is the ability of workers to be retrained and replanted. So as things that are currently manual get automated, That simply produces new jobs to manage the automation. And so it's incumbent on not only the worker, but also the employer to provide opportunities for those workers to be retrained. In some industries, it's harder than it is in others. If a plant closes for a large auto manufacturer, you know, that certainly creates an imbalance of supply at that point within a certain market. But over time, those workers and future generations of workers will simply be retrained to do new tasks.
0: Do you plan on this index now becoming a regular thing now that you've launched it? Maybe an annual index or or something of that sort?
1: I think so. We're very focused at this point on getting out in front of future trends. The reason is to predict those supply and demand imbalances. It's one thing to look at a report and draw a conclusion that's like looking out the window and understanding it's raining out. And it's another thing to be able to forecast the rain. And so we want to be able to forecast what's going to happen in the workplace because that then manifests itself in supply and demand, and that then manifests itself in uh, cost and access to quality. And so this was a first opportunity to do that with a survey tool as opposed to just um, economic indicators and the data that our clients produce. And so uh, we did draw some conclusions from it, which we think are helpful. We'll continue to use this and and other similar devices and do the best we can to tell our clients what's happening out there, what's going to be happening out there, and what they should be doing about it.
0: Well, this certainly is an interesting snapshot, as I say, and we will be looking to the future to see how this picture evolves. But in the meantime, Jim Burke, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us the results of the 2019 Employee Fear and Mobility Index from Workforce Logic, to which we will link in the show notes to this episode. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it, and I hope you have a great day.
0: My conversation with Jim Burke of Workforce Logic, talking about workers' concerns about their jobs and the U.S. economy. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my think tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter at scbrain.